welcome to Conversations About Life. Well, thanks, Paula, for getting together for a conversation for the podcast. And um, as far as um, an introduction of you, we know each other through um, through church, mm-hmm. and you're a, a homeschool mom of four boys, yes, and a wife, and um, and now you're in you're in the working world, and your mm-hmm. kids are um, older and kind of getting out on their own for the for the most part, like the older ones anyway. Yeah, and um, so anyway, um, as far as just an introduction for you. Um, um, what else would you like to say about yourself, just uh, kind of as far as who you are, but especially just how would you describe you, you know, as your, your personality? Oh, how would I describe my personality? Well, I mean, who I am is, of course, I'm a Christian. I'm Nevin's wife. I'm, like you said, I'm retired now, homeschool mother to four boys um, who are all young adults. And two of them are completely out of the house and own their own homes. And uh, I did go back to work outside the home, kind of got my toe in the water a couple years ago. But now I'm working as a a bookkeeper for a plumbing contractor in the city. And uh, also a remote bookkeeper for the homeschool school that I used to teach for. And... A grandma. We had our first grandbaby this spring. So that's kind of who I am right now. A lot of transition things going on. Yeah. How would you describe yourself as far as your personality goes? Um, well, I found out, I guess the thing, what would be surprising, what I found out over the last few years doing some reading is I'm actually an introvert. I had cut, which I think would surprise most of the people that I've been involved with in homeschooling and things like that, because I've always been very active and the leader of this and the form the committee for this and let's organize this. Um, but that was my passion was homeschooling and the kids and activities and things. And as that went away and they outgrew that, I started realizing how exhausting that had actually been for me. I enjoyed it so much, but then afterwards I was like drained from it and started doing some reading about personality types and things like that because Nevin had, um, when Nevin was in seminary, he had had to take a course counseling classes and his master's degree, and they talk a lot about that. And so I started reading some books and found I was really kind of an introvert, kind of a, a bookish person. Um, I'm not an athletic person or an outdoors person. Um, so as an introvert, what is that like? Um, I guess that means you enjoy just time alone and thinking, contemplative type of things. I guess you mentioned bookish, like reading and yes. stuff. I thought it was very interesting because I had always thought, and I guess I thought most people thought this the introvert meant shy it was like the shy person who didn't want to talk to people and wouldn't open their mouth and that's not me I'm not shy I'm not bashful but what it actually means is um, what drains you what energizes you what exhausts you and what I have found out is time alone energizes me I need that time alone and to spend that time with myself and and usually reading or um, doing a hobby something like that and while I enjoy being with people and I like doing things and I like teaching and leading activities and all that that it was exhausting and when I got done then you know I would just look forward to a whole evening of nothing just to charge up so that was that surprised me i thought it meant shy but it doesn't it just means need to be alone to recharge yeah i wonder why that is because i'm like that too um i've wondered if it's like when i'm around people though i enjoy people if i'm just like a little bit on edge or just a little bit like um not fully relaxed um whereas or if it's 
maybe that I just can't think because it's just too distracting, but if I'm alone, I can kind of think and um, deal with, you know, run through ideas and so forth and, and things like that. I don't know. I think so. I mean, I know I don't, like when I'm working and stuff, I don't have the radio on. I have, I, I'm easily distracted now and I can't focus maybe as part of being older too but I can't focus like I used to and I can't multitask like I used to and you know I used to be able to read a book and watch a movie at the same time and now it's either or you know I can't do both anymore read a book and watch a movie and get and understand both of them and now I can't do that anymore so that might be part of it, yeah. What kind of books do you like to read? Well, I should say that I like to read great, deep theological works, um, but I don't. I do. I usually have one theological or one Bible study or a history or something, a church history usually going at a time. Um, and those are my sit upright with a highlighter kind of books. Um, and I usually have a murder mystery going at the same time, too. And I don't, not gross, gory ones mm-hmm. or nasty things. I like to read, I mean, I love Agatha Christie type stuff mm-hmm. and Golden Age mysteries. And, you know, I like murder mysteries where someone got poisoned in the library or something, you know, yeah. not dismembered. But uh, I like murder mysteries a lot and funny books sometimes, too. So you mentioned church history. I know. Nevin's been involved studying church history through the seminary and so forth, but you're also interested in church history? I am, um, and part of it started, well, when we started homeschooling, of course, then you start learning all kinds of things that, like Roman aqueducts and things you never thought you would know about. Um, But I got interested because the more... I started talking to people outside of my denomination that I had been raised in that I didn't even know there were other ways of thinking about things. Then I started saying, well, this denomination has this practice, and this group has this practice, and this one has this practice. Who did it first? Why do they do it? Where did this come from? And I really like to go back and and start with the early church and the church fathers and stuff and and I haven't done deep huge dives because I'm I'm a pretty shallow scholar really but um, that's what I want to know well, well why do you do this well why do you believe that well where did that come from you know and, and kind of make those connections and see where different practices came into being because there's things that the Bible is not a hundred percent clear on. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a lot of brilliant people that disagree on secondary issues. And I yeah. just like to know where they got their ideas so that I can think about it, too. Yeah. Well, you've recently been visiting um, churches outside of your own church tradition. Yeah. So um, what kind of impression have you know those experiences made on you, those other traditions? Well... Um, let me think. I mean, for clarification, you know, my own church. I was raised SBC. I was born in the SBC, you know. And then uh, we became, we started studying the doctrines of grace and re- more Reformed theology in um, 2008, 2009. And um, again, attending a church of a Reformed Baptist type church at the, then. Um, but I got to know, I was in a, um, other than fact, being in a homeschool, large homeschool group, you meet all kinds of Christians from all different denominations, but I was in an online forum from about 2006 to, for about 10 years um, before Facebook and all that got big, and we had a discussion group that was called Lifelong Learners, and most of it was theology. And I got on there one day and made some comment, everybody believes this, and boom, they dogpiled me because no Baptists believe that. Nobody else believes that. I was like, oh. And so I start, that's when I started wanting to learn about other denominations and learning, you know, other Christians, where other Christians 
you know, differed on things. And I did discover it's mainly secondary. I know some people say there's no such thing as secondary issues. I disagree. That's that. Um, but um, so last year we began attending a Presbyterian PCA church. Nevin graduated from a Presbyterian seminary this past spring. We knew the pastor. We had known him for probably 15 years. Nevin and he served on the board of a pregnancy care center together. And uh, I really liked it a lot. I really liked it. Um, I had been reading uh, covenantal theology and trying to learn more about it and understanding the differences. Um, Please don't expect me to make a deep doctrinal statement on that. Um, to say, I understand where they're coming from. And I really like that church a lot. Mm-hmm. like the people. It's 40 minutes away. Yeah. And uh, so that's not something we would be able to be involved in regularly. And it's a church that's very, very active in their community. And I just, I'm not... I don't want to sit there on Sunday and hear about all the service everyone did all week that I didn't. I was unable because of our schedules and work and the distance to participate in. So I thought that's we need to do something where we can be a little bit more hands and feet involved. So Nevin was raised Lutheran, and so we've been going to Emmanuel Lutheran um, for about oh, about six weeks. We're still visitors. Um, so now, so I'm learning some of that and uh, I like the service it's very different mm-hmm. um, I like it immediately started delving into the history because of course there's Martin Luther was like well where did he didn't just make this up where did that come from you know he's Augustinian but um, so um, it hasn't made me discount anything of my upbringing or any of that but it's kind of opened my eyes to there's a lot of brilliant people. You know, R.C. Sproul and Martin Luther, you know, don't agree on some things. And neither one of them's an idiot, neither one of them's an apostate. <laughs> so it, it's kind of just opened my eyes to things. To, there's a lot to learn and a lot of mystery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... Um just understanding the reasoning of somebody else, even if you disagree with them, um, that's like a big step forward just to kind of consider, well, I understand how they came to that place. Mm-hmm. Like with Presbyterians, it might be like um, kind of thinking of long child baptism as in like um, a connection with a circumcision of the Old Testament. In the covenant, yes. Yeah. And so, you know, you can kind of understand their reasoning and it's like, well, I'm not convinced at this point but um, at least I kind of understand and think that they're reasonable and not like like you said like um, just haven't thought through it or something like that you know well and what I'm finding I've always had questions about things and the more you learn what other people believe you go oh well that you know none of them no denomination has got it 100% right. I really don't believe that. I believe that there's the basics of Orthodox Christianity. But, like I said, so many secondary issues, I think we're getting to get to heaven. We're going to be surprised. We're all going to be humbled by how much we thought we knew. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times I'll read something in a completely different perspective than, oh, that fills in that blank. That's, I always wondered about that. No one ever really gave me a good answer. But this kind of answers that. But then that doesn't fit. You know, so, like I said, I'm, I'm content right now with not knowing everything and letting some things be a mystery and God will reveal more. Yeah. Um, so, Emmanuel Lutheran, is that out near you in Festus? It's in Festus, in yeah. Festus. It's okay. been there for a long time. I never participated in it at all never really been involved in it because we were Festus Baptist um, and um, I'm enjoying it I'm in, I'm enjoying it and it's very like I said it's very different um, 
It's, it's completely scripture focused for the entire, and the services are shorter too. Um, <laughs> it's, it's completely scripture focused and you're very engaged. And it's just, it's something new. It's something I can't, I can't hardly express an opinion of other than I'm learning and right now this is, it's, it's feeding something, I think. Yeah. yeah. So I was, I've been involved with St. John's in our notes somewhat. Okay. Um, our neighbors are members there. And I started going to um, like a Bible class there. And I really enjoyed the, mm-hmm. the pastor who was teaching. And I thought I'd go to a service sometime. Um, but then I got there and I found out I couldn't take participate in communion mm-hmm. um, because um, it's not that you have to be a church member, but you have to believe in their bulletin it stated you need to believe this about communion to participate. And uh, it was kind of more than I could go as far as like um, that this isn't just symbols, but this is somehow the body and blood of Christ or something like that. So. Mm-hmm. I cannot speak authoritatively because, like I said, I'm still visitor mode. Mm-hmm. It's not the same as the Roman Catholic belief of transubstantiation. Right. But it is more than symbolic. It's mm-hmm. Christ's presence. I think the phrase is above and below or something. Um, and, like I said, that's something that I'm studying about. We have not taken communion. Um but I always thought, I always, and I'm not saying this especially, I always thought Baptists made awful light of baptism and the Lord's Supper. Hmm. It's, and it should be, and I've been in churches where it was people acting like it was juice and cracker snack time. And I've been in churches where it was taken, you were to have self-examination, and it was a grave and serious matter, mm-hmm. as it should be. Um, but I still always felt that it was more, there was more. Hmm. And it was always a very important thing to me. Um but, so it's like I said, this is something that's kind of feeding right now. It's just kind of a deepening thing that I'm learning. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of a mystery to me. Like it's not necessarily a deep experience to me. I mean, I participate. It's kind of like a few moments just to kind of think about Jesus and the atonement and so forth. But um, anyway, it is one of the few things that's kind of prescribed for us as Christians, where we do a lot of things that we've just kind of. Um, almost like, well, this is just how we think we ought to do church and so forth. Well, this is, communion's one of the few things, like, it's really laid out for us pretty clear, you know, you're supposed yes. to do this. So, mm-hmm. anyway. Um, well, um, well, that's really interesting, just all you're being exposed to and just thinking about, and uh, as far as different church traditions and all of that. Um, well, I guess, like, what is your own relationship with God like? Um, just, um, you know, if it's, um, yeah, you know, if it's a relationship, um, just what is that um, like for you in your life? I am... Mm, it's hard to explain. When I was younger, I always put a tried to envision God as being like my dad, which my father was. <laughs> he was just a man. He was not, you know, God or anything. But that was just always the easiest picture for me to get an Abba father. And probably because I lost my dad um, very young. So pulling back on that image was, you know, always something. But um, I... It's hard to explain. He's he's my constant presence. He's kind of he is the savior. You know, there's times where you go and you you look at the sunset or something, and you're filled with awe and majesty and creation, like those um 
some of those photographs that have been showing up on social media this week from the new oh, from the telescope. Space. This I haven't nebula. seen it. I've heard oh about my, it. There are some that are just amazing in this nebula wow. and, and start thinking about that and just overwhelmed with the awesomeness of the design and the creation and the majesty. And then sometimes there might be a little something I'm praying about, like help me say this the way I want to to one of the kids so that they respond correctly. And then when it works out, it's like, oh, thank you. Thank you. I feel, you know, kind of not making light and saying Jesus is my buddy or something, but he is. He is with me. He's a companion and a friend. And I found that I used to have a very joyous relationship with God. And then for several years, I kind of got away with that from that and got more caught up in um, moralistic and presenting moralistic mm-hmm. image to the world and um, checking things off on my daily box and I mean if you don't have your personal daily quiet time are you even saved you know this kind of stuff this is this um, to where I started making it more about what I was doing and um, you definitely can't be a reformed and understand that God saved you and you did nothing and think that you're adding to it you know and, but I, I think I, I went, and I, from what I've heard, apparently it's not as uncommon as I thought it was. You know, there's a, a box checker in a lot of us. Um, so, I mean, that, that's the best I can explain it. I still, you know, when I was teaching science um, for years, I taught science and co-ops um, for homeschoolers. And that would always bring me back to creation and design. And, you know, I'm, that was, I was always trying to tell the kids, you know, think about your eyeball. Think about the rods and cones in your eyeball. Just the rods and cones, and there's millions of them, and God designed that. And this should blow your mind. And they'd be like, okay, Miss Bella, you know, that um, a lot of times I'm just kind of overwhelmed. So you mentioned like a constant presence. Yes. So um, for me, it seems like when things are going well and I'm in a good mood, I feel close to God. But when I'm things are not, I might be depressed. I might things are not going so well, disappointed or whatever. Then I don't necessarily feel close to God. <laughs> and uh, that's a little bit disappointing. Um, that how close to God I feel or not it's based on like how I'm doing you know and how I'm feeling and I was talking with Gracie the other day and she was she was um, I guess kind of like um, thinking yeah this is you know something she's experienced before and and said you know it should be just the opposite when you're not feeling good then that closeness to God should like kind of be highlighted compared to everything else and should stand out even the more, but it doesn't necessarily. Um, so I don't know. Is that <laughs> is it not not like that for you? Is it well, more of a constant? Oh no! Thing? I think because when things are going bad, mm-hmm. um, when things are going bad. I get very self-focused. Mm-hmm. Why is this happening to me? This has messed up my plans. This has done this. Now I have to deal with this, or this. This right. is causing someone to hurt, and that makes me hurt. And it's easy to get drawn right into yourself. Mm-hmm. And you have to remind yourself you're not in this alone. And, you know, and I and I think I don't. It's you know people say with the phrase if you feel far from God you move not Him or something like that. But I think that's true. I think sometimes when everything's going great and you're yeah walking down the street and life is good and here's God and all that, and when things are going bad you're just thinking about you and you have to now. But and now there's an effort. Now I need to 
pull myself out of this and I can't. So how, who can, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's when things are going bad that there's more of a temptation to try to make one feel better through like fleshly things like eating Oreos. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> or zoning out in front of a movie or whatever, you know, just trying to satisfy the flesh in some way. Um, but, um, and I think that's okay a little bit. I think if you're sad, you know, if you're stressed out and had a bad day, I think, you know, it's okay to dunk a couple Oreos and some milk yeah. and just enjoy it. God provided that for us to enjoy yeah. or to watch a movie and turn your brain off of work or whatever for a while. I think that's fine. I don't, you know. Yeah, I think there's something to like taking something like that, like from God, you know, as a gift from God and like just accepting it as a respite or a break. Mm -hmm. But then there's also like things that are not so <laughs> good to do that. No, um, no if you were right. sitting and watching movies or playing video games or reading to and just escaping for hours right. at a time. And meanwhile, dinner's not getting cooked and the house isn't. Right. That's different. Right, yeah. So it's there's kind of a fine nuance by, like, what can I, with a good conscious, conscience, accept from God? And and then what is, like, well, I'm, instead of looking to God, I'm going a different way to try to make myself feel better and satisfy my needs and yeah. so forth. Um, I've been thinking lately about just tr trying to be more of a receiver um, because... Um, thinking it might just help me progress in my walk with God um, because there's like there's two sides of what's pleasing to God there's like we're doing things that's pleasing to God but sometimes that it's just it's just not coming out of me yeah <laughs> but then there's also just receiving what he w would is pleased to give me and that's pleasing to God so he's so just trying to you know I sometimes try to be conscious of that well, he's given me forgiveness of all my sins. Just to be happy about that and receive it. And he's giving me this opportunity for this conversation or to sit in this pleasant surroundings with uh, coffee or whatever. And just trying to, focusing, to focus a little bit more on what what is he giving and just opening myself up to receive that. And maybe that's a better route to getting some of this flowing through me love and you know stuff like that more than just um striving toward trying to do the right thing even if i'm not feeling like it yeah well i mean and that's grace yeah you know that's it's unearned i did not earn this beautiful day you know yeah. it's a gift from god that right. we have it um and I think that some of that demonstrates, you know, you think about these small gifts, you know, comparatively speaking, of grace from God, because the grace of salvation, the grace that he has saved you, is really almost more than the mind can comprehend. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe these are kind of like some baby steps to understand that. I'm yeah. reminded of one of Nevin's first sermons. I think it was on coffee. <laughs> that doesn't, I don't remember. That doesn't surprise me. Yes. He mentioned coffee a little bit, giving things to it. It's just quite time. But anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Blessing of God is coffee. <laughs> well, he leaves for work really early in the morning now, so I think it's even a bigger blessing for him. Um, but yeah. To get up in the morning and have that coffee is already made and all the stuff sit on the counter and I can have my cup of coffee first thing in the morning and check mm -hmm. my phone, check my Bible, check my devotionals, whatever. Mm -hmm. That's God's grace. I get to yeah. do this. I get to do this today. And, um, and I think the good works is an outcropping of that. I think we get into trouble when we start feeling guilty, well, I should be doing this, or I should be doing that, or I should be doing this. Um, it doesn't hurt to be reminded and to be nudged sometimes, but when we start thinking that we're earning it, is 
is I think when it gets you problematic. Yeah. Um, it seems like um, the problem of, um, you know, feeling close to God when things are going well and not when things are going not well is that, um, you know, we're not headed upward. You know, our bodies are going to be heading downward and things are going to be falling apart, breaking down. So it's like we need something more than just our circumstances. So yeah. hopefully, I'm hoping to be able to figure that and grow in that now so that I'm drawing on something more, um, you know, when there's nothing else left than uh, just what I have and not work stuff. I would like very much to someday be one of these older women with all the wisdom and graciousness and uh, contentment about me that I can share that with other people and all that. Um, we'll see. I'm getting there. Nevin's grandma, this is a time of year that she passed away, so I always have all kinds of stuff popping up on my Facebook about Nevin's grandma, Coranda. And she was like that. She was 102 when she died. And a beautiful Lutheran lady came over from Germany in 1923 with her family and settled in Oxford Junction, Iowa, and lived there the rest of her life. And she would always tell you how lucky she was. Mm -hmm. Oh, it was so good to see you. She She never complained about stuff. Even when she had to leave her home and go live in a... Uh, residential care and at first she was not pleased about that I don't think but she knew it was time (laughs) but she would talk about how good the people were there and her neighbors came to visit her and they all got to eat together and um, she was always just so happy to see you (laughs) and I always thought that's who I wanted to be like was Grandma Coranda and, and have that kind of attitude because that's who I'd like to be. I see me as being kind of a more probably a crabby old lady yelling at kids cutting across my yard or something. Right. <laughs> but uh, I don't want to be that way. Right. Yeah. Well, that's that's kind of interesting that her, um, you know, brightness or whatever seems to be linked to her being able to appreciate mm-hmm. things. So She did. Yeah. She appreciated everything. Yeah. Um, so, um, is there anything in particular that helps you to grow? Um, is it experiences or people or books or something else? Well, probably people. I like to talk and... It's been interesting as the kids have gotten older and as they're either at work or asleep on Saturdays. And now that Nevin's not working on Saturdays, which he has, you know, our entire marriage up until a couple of years ago, um, we spend a lot of time sitting and talking, sitting on the front porch and talking. And in the evening when he gets home, you know, before we eat dinner, sitting and talking. And we'll, and, uh, I learn a lot from him because he's, you know, he's been to seminary and and through the last four years as he was going to seminary, he was, we would talk about the things he was learning and um, stuff like that. But uh, learning to reach out to people, I have some, some very trusted people and I would consider mentors that I reach out to and I say, I'm getting ready to say this. Does this sound like something I should say to this person? And then sometimes you go, yeah, I hear, yeah. This is, you need to express how you feel, and you're doing this gently and all this. Sometimes I hear, what? No, think about that some more before you say it. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I also have some people that, that I'm kind of in a, I would say more of that kind of relationship with that, I stay in their lives. How are you doing this week? What's been going on? You know, Hmm. and hear from them and their experiences. And some of them are very different from me. Some are not believers at all. Some are um, just completely different. 
And then and one of the things that I've really been learning the last couple of years is to listen because I've never been good at it because I was moving fast, you know. <laughs> and by the time you had half of your statement done, I already had my response and I was going to fix you too. But uh, get you straightened out so we can move on to the next problem. But I've been learning to be quiet hmm. and listen to people and think about what they're actually saying and where they're actually coming from and also recognizing that I don't have, I probably don't have their answer. I mean, I might, I might be able to help them direct it. I'd be able to help them go in a, you know, I can express an opinion or maybe tell them where to seek information or something or share my experience as it relates to that and what I learned. But I can't solve. I can't fix it. So learning to listen has been a big... Yeah. And it's something you have to learn to do. Yeah. Some people are born with it. Some I was not. <laughs> yeah. So it kind of brings up, or it reminds me of the whole thing of busyness which um, seems like that could be like something to be careful of um, like when it comes to mentoring relationships or relationships in general uh, listening or whatever taking the time Um, so it seems like maybe someone in your position over the years um, has had to learn to handle busyness or to struggle against it or um, or maybe I don't know maybe not but it seems like it um, could be dangerous. Um, my sister, she has like a little note on her wall, something like, busyness is the end of kindness. I, I probably got that wrong, but it's something. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> but it also reminds me of the parable of the sower and like the, soul, the seed that fell among the thorns. It was like the cares of the world, the deceitfulness mm-hmm. of riches, but it's like just kind of needing to do things but you can kind of understand that because like there's so much that does need to be yeah. done and and, um, and it's, it just seems like when things we don't do things things kind of fall apart that can be like a chaotic state and that could be not good too but yeah well I had to get past the, I've had, I have gotten past the idea that the world will collapse if I'm not in the middle stirring everything up and keeping everything going that the plates will still spin God is God is in His heaven, and um, He doesn't need me uh, to do stuff to keep the whole world moving. Um, but He's given me my roles. I was extremely busy for many years because I, Nevin and I, owned a business, and so for several many years I went into town two days a week. And the boys went over to my mom's and took all their schoolwork, and I went into the shop and worked. And then when he, um, when we sold that and he started working from home, um, then I could work at home mm-hmm. and work it around afternoons and evenings and stuff a little easier. And my part, my part of it, I did all the administrative and the design work and everything. But um, so I was busy with that and I was homeschooling four kids and um kid comes in and wants to play basketball and there is no basketball after eighth grade for homeschoolers in our area. Uh, it was fantastic programs in St. Louis. So I made one out of thin air, <laughs> you know, and it was fun for a few years, but my gosh, I laid awake at nights worrying about referees and stuff. Um, and we had chess clubs and book clubs and art clubs and geography clubs and science clubs and then we did the and skate days and and I organized a lot of that and not because I'm brilliant or amazing it's because I wanted to do it I wanted my kids to do that and at the time homeschooling wasn't as big as it is now and you just had to make it up as you went and so that's what we did. We did a lot of activities with other homeschool kids and families. And you got to know the, the ones that you traveled well with and did field trips and stuff. Um, so I was really, really busy. And then with the teaching and stuff. And then the last year of it, I was teaching 
three classes at Berea and still homeschooling Henry and Tony was a guy was a little, and that year kind of fell apart on me. Hmm. I took on too much and I had committed for a full year. I had one cl- high school class I had never taught before, one class for junior high that I was writing as science and history that I was writing as I went. And I was teaching advanced biology at my house, which is a horrible, hard class. And I don't know, I, I felt like the kids just looked at me with pity every week. <laughs> but, um, and I completely overwhelmed myself. And we were also wearing masks because the school I taught was in St. Louis County and it was a horrible year. And, uh, I just said, I gotta take, I have to be a little bit more. So, fortunately, the next year, Henry was going off to Jeff Co., and we were, we were pretty much done with homeschooling anyway. And I'll tell you what, getting a part time job where you work somewhere else is really nice because when you get home, you don't, I'm done. I'm home, you know? And, um, you do have to be mindful with your time. I watch my evenings now because Nevin is home. I used to go run around if I felt like it on Saturdays because he was always working in the shop anyway. Well, he's home on Saturdays, so I don't plan things on Saturdays, or very, very seldom, only if it's, if it's something I kind of don't have any control over, like somebody's birthday or something. But we don't. Pl- I don't plan stuff. I, you know, I'm trying to be very intentional about how I spend my time and where I spend my time and who I'm spending my time with. And um, you know, it's a balance. I will admit this. Last year, I was just I had too much time on my hands during the day, and so I've taken on another bookkeeping job that I can do from home part half a day a week but the idea was well I can clean out the basement and I'm going to do this well it was a year I didn't do any of it so (laughs) maybe I should do something it's not going to get done so but yeah watching the time is is important and now we got the grandbaby I'm going to bring that up a lot and being able to set aside time to to see her and see Ben and Dana but yet not be hanging around their house all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, anyway, it sounds like you've gone through different stages, and it sounds like you're kind of in a nicer stage right now. It sounds like you and Nevin have um, more time together. That sounds really nice. And We do. I mean, we always have because he, we worked together. And especially, you know, we had 10 years there where we were working from home and homeschooling. So all six of us were there at home together. Mm-hmm. And um, so everybody going their own directions was, it was, you know, I, I've said the word for the year, two years running has been transition. Because when he started going to work, and then the boys, you know, would be off to college, and, you know, because even when they lived at home, they were taking classes out at Jeffco. And um, I found out it was really kind of nice. I, now I understand why all these ladies were so glad to see their kids go back to school at the end of summer. It's kind of nice to have your house to yourself sometimes. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, yeah, it's been a transition, and it's been an adjusting of schedules and so when it comes to busyness is there like not any secret silver bullet that you found like principle about how just to make it work is or is it just a constant kind of balancing and just moving this way and that way um, trying to uh, make it you know so I carry my planner around with me everywhere so I can write things down because now that I'm old I forget stuff um, but I carry my plan around and I go through and I mark out, this is how much time I'll be at work on Monday. This is how much time I'll be at work on Wednesday. On Tuesday, I don't have anything planned, so I can do, I'll pay bills all day. I'll do this stuff, paperwork, whatever. But the best wisdom I was given on that was close to 30 years ago. 
one of the ladies that I consider a mentor and a dear friend, told me anytime before we had checking your schedule on your phone and stuff, if somebody asks you to do something or somebody asks you to commit to something or somebody asks for anything that's going to be your time to say, that sounds really interesting, let me look at my calendar and get back to you. Because then all our calendars were at home anyway. Um, Because you might not have something going Tuesday evening, but that might be the only evening you're home that week and you have something big on Friday, and you might need Tuesday evening to be home. And so to stop and look at your calendar and look at the whole week mm-hmm. and before you commit to anything. Right, rather than just saying yes too yeah. often. Yeah. Because I would say yes to stuff because it was very flattering that people needed me. <laughs> right. You know, sure, I can do that. Yeah. Um, well, um, this is a weird question. I, I, I um, it's here, I'll just read it verbatim. Do you have any concerns about regrets you hope you don't have when you come to the end of your life? And that where that question comes from is like I was reading an article, and it was like. A, a lady, I think she was, she helps people transition into death. You know, it's called a death doula, I think. But she talks about just the things people say at the end, like regrets they might have, things they wish they did more of or did differently or so forth. So it's kind of got me thinking, think, like, I hope I'm not missing anything and going to, you know, uh, where it's like, I wish I was doing more of this or that and I guess the thing that comes to mind is like love you know that's like the the thing you know to love more and so forth um but um anyway I don't know do you have any thoughts about um that just things that you want to make sure you know you you do or don't do or anything um you know when it comes to just kind of looking back over your life? Well, I don't have a bucket list. Yeah. Um, Because if I kick the bucket tomorrow, then what was the point of spending an hour writing the list today? Um, I do think about, especially as the boys have grown and flown and everything, it was fun, it was very practical when they were little and in school to have the four boys so close together yeah because there's only six years Tony between Tony and Henry oh wow um yeah we had boom 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 baby but um but that also meant that they were all teenagers at the same time that constantly had a permit driver and then they all started leaving because even the two that live at home I mean go to school part-time and and Joe works full-time in the city and Henry works almost full-time and so I have thought a lot about because you know especially in the morning the Facebook memories pop up and oh we did this we went on this trip we did this and trying to you know the overused word be intentional but to be intentional about making time for those things. I mean, sure, at some point people say, oh, I regret that I worked instead of traveling the world. Well, if you didn't have a job, you weren't going to be able to afford it anyway. You know? Um, There are just some things in life you just have to do. Right. You know, you can... um, But you can... It's important to establish your priorities. You know, like the thing about the the jar with the rocks. You drop the big rocks or your big priorities, Mm -hmm. and then the little rocks can be the other ones, and you can fill in that empty space. But first, the priorities. So um, I'm sure. I mean, there's always regrets. There's there's going to be, but there you also 
cannot completely eliminate them. So I think you have to go into I think, though, that if you go into it with the idea that I'm doing the best I can with the tools God gave me at every stage and and focus on the important things, that that it'll balance out for you more, you know? Right. Right. There will, like you said, be regrets, but a lot of things to be thankful for, too. Yeah. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Well, what do you find like really satisfying in life? I don't. Hmm, it's hard to think about. I don't know. I mean, every day is satisfying. It's not. I used to be very emotionally ups and downs, roller coaster, and I'm so excited, and this is going well, and why doesn't this kid understand algebra, and I'm in the pit, the worst mom, and then this is going great, and then they lost the basketball game, and then, you know, and uh, I'm not like that anymore as much. I've kind of balanced even that out, and satisfying is... Uh, the day was peaceful I accomplished I was in communion with God I feel like I accomplished what I set out to do I've been of service I've been of use I used to get a lot of satisfaction out of cooking dinner and I don't anymore I don't like cooking anymore and I don't know why Um, (laughs) I like to go out to eat (laughs) Nevin takes me out to eat a lot now so that's good um I have a lot of satisfaction seeing the kids do well, you know, seeing them do well in their jobs and learn with ups and downs, learn how to manage relationships, learn how to manage money in their own home and, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. That is, you know, and, and friends that I'm kind of, you know, friends that I'm growing old with, friends that I've had for years and years and stuff. There's a great satisfaction in, in those relationships, too. Yeah. Um, well, what's, what's made, um, what are the things that have made, like, big impacts on your life that, you know, caused, um, I don't know, spurts of growth or course changes that were significant, meaningful or anything like that you know I'm 56 (laughs) Um, well you know I was was thinking about this because you said we were talking about spiritual journey and stuff and that's kind of what I tied a lot of my life into was the times that I felt like I was really seeking and the times of growth from learning and the times that there were growth from walking away from stuff um, you know, they use this phrase deconstruction all the time, and people mean a lot of times. I think what people mean is deconversion. I, I tore it down and I burnt it down to the ground, kind of thing. And that's not what it's supposed to be. If you deconstruct something, if you're taking it down, you're because you're reconstructing it better. It's hmm. like when you tear down the old McDonald's, you build the new fancy one. You don't. You, you build something new. And I've done a lot of that with my faith over the years. I've done a lot of that with studying of why do I believe this? And that's made me kind of look at stuff different life. Um, Meeting Nevin. I met Nevin when I was 27. You know, we got married a year later. Well, let's see. We started dating January, got married in October. Um, that was a big change in my life, of course. And I had always been kind of a wild kid and ran and did whatever I wanted. And, you know, drugs and alcohol and all that stuff were always part of my story growing up because that's what I did. And I don't. And I quit. And almost 29 years ago, nothing ever. And um, that was a big turning point in life. 
you know, life on life's terms and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and when we decided to have kids, each each one was pretty scheduled. <laughs> it was, and each time God, it was, I literally felt like God was saying, it's time. Mm-hmm. And so it's time. We, oh, here they are, you know. And so we were very, very fortunate in that because we didn't have any struggles with it. And a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. So, but when we got the idea to homeschool, that was a complete mind. That changed everything because our whole lifestyle was about home, home education mm-hmm. for almost 20 years. And... Um, and when you start tipping over those sacred cows of public education, all of a sudden you start going, well, why do I have to do this? Well, why does this have to be this way? Why do you got to think like that? And, you know, and you meet a lot of really interesting people, too. So, I'm sorry, I don't remember what the question was. <laughs> yeah. No, just, but that, yeah, you, you answered the question, just course changes or the impacts that have been meaningful in your life and so mm-hmm. forth. But, you know, I didn't really ask you about, like, just how you got started in Christianity. Like, you, you mentioned you grew up in Southern Baptist, mm-hmm. but um, that doesn't necessarily mean that that was you. You know, that was maybe your family and so forth. Yeah. Well, you know, you lived in Festus in the 1970s. You went to church. Everybody yeah. I knew went to church. We just, it just was. Um, yeah, I grew, no, I grew up going to Southern Baptist Church. My dad's family had been Southern Baptist. Um, and uh, we went to First Baptist Herculaneum, not the one that's in Peavely now. There used to be one, just a little church in Herky, burned down about 25 years ago. But we went there. Um, I made a profession of faith when I was nine and was baptized. And, you know, I am... I used to believe that you would pinpoint the. I remember the preacher saying, "You can't if you can't tell me the day and the time. Are you really saved?" You know, whatever. Um, I believe God was drawing me. Whether I believe that was part of my sanctification, justification, whatever. Um, one of those mysteries. But yeah, something was going on. God was drawing me. I was saved. I was baptized. Um, we had moved to Arnold and went to a very large church there. And I didn't fit in in junior high. Didn't fit in, didn't feel like I belonged, didn't, and didn't like those kids. <laughs> in all honesty, you know. And um, I got to be about 17, and by then I was just living with my mom. My parents had divorced. I saw my dad still pretty much every day, but they were divorced, and I told mama I wasn't going anymore. And I think she was at the point with me where she threw up her hands and said, my Sunday morning just got easier. And so I did not go to church for probably 17, about 20, times about 25 or so. And uh, 23, 25 in that area. And I would feel guilty sometimes, but then I would just remind myself... Um, you know, the big, oh, they're hypocrites, which aren't we all. But um, that's what I would say. And I didn't like them. I didn't think, I thought they were all judgmental. And I would, uh, and it, but it took a long time to break that habit in my head of you're supposed to get up on Sunday morning and go to church. And I think you are. <laughs> you know, there's my moralistic, I think you are. But, um, but I managed to drown that out. But, I don't feel like God ever let go of me or stopped pursuing me. And basically, I moved back to Festus and moved in with my grandma, and, and she made me go to church with her because she wanted me to drive her and all of her friends around afterwards and take them out to lunch. So I started going to church with her again and found a lady that mentored me, Ann Adams, who had been the pastor's wife at First Baptist, was my Sunday school teacher, and she kind of took me under her wing and went to church there and kind of had a spiritual awakening, and I always said I didn't know if that was when I got saved or when before, and, and I just don't puzzle myself over those things anymore. God said straighten up fly right it's time 
and I did to the best of my ability and met Navin we started going to church um, and then I explored a couple different kinds of churches for a few years Navin was like oh, I don't want to go to Baptist church anymore and he stayed home with the babies and I went to a free will Baptist church and an independent Baptist church and hmm. We ended up back at First Baptist again, where we had been for years, basically until it turns out we were both learning about the doctrines of grace at the same time. We just hadn't really talked about it. But the more we learned, the more we started talking. And that's when, you know, we decided it was time to go to a church where we can learn more about that. And so we started exploring that. Um... And then I was a Presbyterian. I went to a Presbyterian church for nine months, and now, which I really liked a lot, and now I'm visiting at a Lutheran church. But I'm just a visitor. All right, Paula. Well, I guess we'll wrap up. So anyway, I really appreciate the conversation. I'm glad I asked. I'm glad I asked you to be a guest. That was good. So um, anyway, any, I, is there anything else? You don't do a blog or anything that you should no I okay. don't I, right. no <laughs> okay. I, I express my opinions more than I should as it is <laughs> okay well thank you thanks